Come on, are you excited to be in God's house today? I hope you didn't, I hope you didn't come to church because you thought you had to. You don't have to. But I hope you came because you want to. I hope you came because you need something today. You came to the right place. God is moving in our church. Hey, I don't know if you came to season party this past week, but I'm going to tell you, it was incredible. Hey, listen, it was life-changing. We had miracles happen in our church. We had God healed some people in our church. I believe God is a miracle-working God. And if you need a miracle, you came to the right place today, not because of this place in church, but because of the God that we celebrate and we worship. Amen, church? Amen. Hey, listen, before we go any further, I just want to take a second because we're live with our Lancaster campus. Can we just send our love to Lancaster, Lancaster? Would you make some noise? If you're on no, online, we just say we send our love to you. I'm ready for a new series. I bet you're ready for a new series. But you're glad to be over the money series. Hey, man, I'm telling you, stuff we talked about in that last series might be the most practical thing you'd ever hear change your life. So I, I hope you're diving in on that. But... I'm ready. We got a new series that's going to lead us right up to Easter. It's called the OG. The OG. You all know what OG stands for? I don't know if you know what OG stands for, but it means the original gangster. The original gangster. We're going to talk about the original gangster. Some of you freaking out right now. Are we going to talk about Tupac? Are we going to talk about Biggie? What are we going to talk about? No, no, no. We're going to talk about the original gangster. We got to go all the way back. I'm going to talk about the one who has been here since the foundation of the world and it was laid. I'm talking about the firstborn over all creation. I'm talking about the guy who's the bookends of history. He's the alpha and the omega. He is the king over everything. Every king, every president, every monarch that has ever existed. I'm talking about Jesus. He's the OG. He's the original one. He is the one and he is worthy of our praise today, church. We're going to talk about the OG. I know some of you right now, you don't like it. I don't like calling Jesus a gangster. Sometimes we'll do a series title just to tick off the religious. Maybe they'll leave. Maybe they'll leave. The original gangster, I know, I know you may not like the thought of Jesus being called a gangster. But do you know this, if you kind of think about his story, you know? I mean, he did travel around with a posse of 12 guys everywhere he went. And I know that before there were the bloods and the crypts that Jesus gave his blood for the whole entire world. And he healed cripples every single time he came in contact with them. So I'm here to declare he is the original gangster. He defined what it meant, even if it's been changed a little bit. You know, today people use the term OG. It's, it's, it's not really intended to mean like you're a gangster or you're a gang member. But, but we use that term today to really actually show respect. When you hear somebody, if they ever, someone calls you the OG, you go to work, and somebody looks at you because you've been there a long time, they say, man, you're OG. Take that as a compliment. It means you're the original. It means you're authentic. It means you're extraordinary. And I feel like all of those things adequately describe who Jesus is. We're going to do a series about Jesus. We're going to hear from Jesus. If you don't like that, you're not going to like this next series. But I'm here to tell you, I haven't found anybody that doesn't love Jesus. Whether you believe in God or not, I'm going to tell you, Jesus is that awesome. And I believe that he has a revelation for you through this series of who he is. If you're new to our church, you say, I'm not really sure about faith and I'm not sure about God. Man, this series is going to totally just wreck your world. It's going to flip it upside down. 
It's going to inspire you. God's going to change your life in this series. He's going to change your life in this series. We're just getting ready for Easter. I want to read to you today from our text. It's found in Mark chapter 1. In fact, my, my, my daughter is, is here in this, this experience, and um, she's got three close friends. They've been together for a long time. We call them what? The OGs. Her friends are called the OGs. Jesus is the OG. In Mark chapter 1, verse 40, it says that a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. He said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And Jesus was indignant. And he reached out his hand and he touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately, I love that, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing it wasn't for him, it was for them. This is a testimony to them. So they know that you met Jesus. Verse 45 says, instead, he went out and began to talk freely. He didn't even listen to him. The man just healed him, and he goes out and can't shut up about it. Maybe that will happen in your life. If you encounter Jesus, you can't stop from talking about it. When you meet him, you won't be able to stop talking about it. Instead, he went out and he began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. You know, God showed me something I wasn't even expecting when I was preparing this. God showed me this incredible picture of what Jesus did for this man is what Jesus will do in your life. And the fact that this guy was a leper, which meant he had to live outside in lonely places. He couldn't go near all the clean people. But when he had one encounter with Jesus and Jesus touched his life and healed him, and then all of a sudden you see the switch that takes place and Jesus goes to lonely places. And this man now can experience life to the fullest with everyone else. And I thought, isn't that a picture of what Jesus has done? done for each and every one of us that he came to take our place he came to take on your condition your sin and the very things that weigh you down and in exchange he decides to give you life and life to the fullest that's who Jesus is and I believe today we're gonna we're gonna learn a lesson from a leper that's the title of my message if you're a note taker a lesson from the leper would you bow your heads and pray with me God we are we're excited to be here, God. I know you're going to speak to us. I don't even question it. And it's not because of the words that I'm going to say, but it is because, God, your word is speaking. And your spirit is speaking to us today. And I pray for every man, woman, child, every person under the sound of my voice today. Here, Lancaster Online. I pray every person that hears these words, God, that something would strike them to the heart. I pray, God, if we came to church today feeling beat down, feeling weary, feeling depressed, feeling discouraged, I pray today, God, we would receive a touch from heaven that would transform our lives. God, give us a new revelation of who you are through Jesus. We pray all these things in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus. And everyone said, come on, give him praise one more time. You go ahead and grab a seat. Man, it is good to be here today with you all really excited I got a message that I feel like is just gonna inspire you it's inspired me a lesson from the leper you know when I was uh, I was about 11 or 12 years old 
I, uh, I went on the most memorable field trip of my life. I just got to say this. I love field trips when I was in school. You know what I'm talking about, and young people? I love field trips when I was in school. I never learned a thing when I went on a field trip. They were pretty worthless. Don't tell the teachers and don't tell the administrators because they think it's great. Actually, they just want a break, honestly, probably from the classroom. But, but, but I, I did. I, I would go on field trips. I never learned a thing on a field trip. But it was the best time of my entire life. I mean, I just loved it. Um, and I remember this one particular field trip. We, we went to downtown Columbus. And um, we went to this, this place. I think it's still around. It was called um, Jeffrey's Mansion. Y'all heard of that place at all? Jeffrey's Mansion. I don't know who Jeffrey is. Um, but it's his mansion, apparently. It's like a historical site. And I remember going there in the class, and we got to walk through this, this mansion. And, and then we got done. We had a few hours, or actually it's probably more like a few minutes, maybe an hour, of just some free time. And at the time, there was this big field all right next to Jeffrey Mansion. It was a huge field. we go out, and we were just playing. We are having fun running around like idiots. You know, that's what you do when you're 11, 12 years old. And, you know, it was sunny. It was a beautiful day. And all of a sudden, it hit me. I'll just be honest, I'm, I'm out in the middle of this field, far away from, you know, the, the building and everything, and it just hit me. You know what I, what I mean when it hits you? When all of a sudden you realize, I ate something I shouldn't have eaten. I'm talking about like that kind of hit me. Like down into, you just hit me. And I just knew, it's like sometimes you know, you just know, it's coming out one way or another. It's either coming up or it's coming out one way or another, and it was coming out, okay? And I'm out in the middle of this field, and I see this mansion that's up there, which I'm pretty sure doesn't even have bathrooms you were allowed to go in. And there's no porta potties. And I'm stuck. And I start freaking out. Like, I'm not sure what to do. I look around, and there was all these woods right behind it. And I'm like, I got to go to the woods. And so I take off a beeline. I run straight through the woods. As soon as I get out of eyesight of the rest of my classmates, I'm just going to be honest, I just drop my pants right there, and I fertilize the forest. I mean, I just, I, I didn't know what else to do, okay? And uh, I'm like 11, 12 years old. And, you know, that moment of relief, right in that moment, you're like, oh, oh, you know what I mean? But then that quickly turned real fast because all of a sudden I realized I don't have any Char Charmin Ultra. You know what I'm saying? There's no cotton now. I got, I like, I'm freaking out. And it, you know, and I needed some, all right? When it's going through you, it's just coming through you. And I didn't know what to do. Thankfully, I'm just so thankful for God. I'm just I'm thankful that the Creator God, He made some natural toilet paper that just covered the ground. And here's the unfortunate part. The unfortunate part was that my parents never enrolled me in Boy Scouts. So I, I didn't know. So I just reached down and I just grabbed this natural toilet paper and I just take care of business and I'm like, whoo, like crisis averted. I pull my pants up. I just run back. We get on the bus and we go on and I think everything is great. And little did I realize until the next morning and I woke up and realized I had contracted a mild case of leprosy. It's called poison ivy. You know what I'm talking about. Ain't you ever had poison ivy like that? No, I'm talking about, I, I found out I was allergic head to toe. I, I mean, I was so allergic. I never even experienced anything like this. I had poison ivy in every crack and crevice. You can even imagine. Y'all don't like me being real, don't you? You don't like a real pastor. 
get to Jesus. I'm getting there. But I'm telling you, it was so bad. I would wake up every morning and my eyes would be swollen shut. I mean, I'm chugging Benadryl just so I could see every single morning. I missed school for like a week, a week and a half straight. Did not even go to school. That's how bad I had poison ivy. Finally, when it kind of cleared up enough, that I could go back to school. It was a Christian school, and they had these rules that you had to wear pants, like a certain uniform. I got special written permission to let me wear shorts in school for like the next two weeks long. And if you don't understand why I needed shorts, then you ain't never had poison ivy like that. It was kind of humiliating because everybody's asking me, why do you get to wear shorts? I said, that's because I'm better than you. That's all I had to say. I wasn't going to tell them. It was embarrassing, man. It's humiliating having Something like that. Now, I, I know that's just poison ivy. I couldn't imagine what it would have been like. And it pales in comparison to what it had been like to have leprosy in the first century. Like, I don't know if you know much about leprosy. We don't really hear much about it. It's formed from a bacteria. Today, we, 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 we start with some kind of skin rash, and we go see the doctor, and they give you some Zithromax or, you know, some penicillin, something you know, that you can take and maybe clear it up. But back in the first century, they didn't have that. You, you got leprosy, it probably wasn't going away. In, in fact, leprosy is this bacteria that eats away at your body. It eats away, it'll eat away inside, it'll eat away on the outside, and it's open wounds, and, and it starts to kill off body parts, and, and, and body parts, when they die off, will start to fall off, and so you get dismembered, you get disfigured, and on top of that, they didn't know how to keep it from spreading, and so if you had leprosy, a skin disease, according to their rules and according to their law that didn't go away, you had to go live outside the city in a colony of lepers away from your family and your friends away from all you can't touch them in fact they had explicit rules that you could not touch certain things because if you did you would infect it they didn't even know how it transferred it was such a horrible debilitating disease and i'm thinking about this guy who's got this condition and instead of hide his condition which is what I think most of us do with our condition. I know you don't have leprosy, but you might have a condition. We all have conditions from time to time. Instead of hide it, it says that he came to Jesus and he threw himself down on his knees right in front of him. Do you realize that he broke all kinds of rules doing that? You were not supposed to get within a certain distance of people if you had leprosy, let alone Jesus or someone who would have been that respected. You didn't come up. You, he broke all the rules just so he could get to Jesus in hopes that maybe Jesus would, would heal him. You know what I've discovered is that a lot of us may not have a condition on the outside, but what I found is a lot of us carry a condition on the inside. A lot of us have something that eats away at our emotions, that eats away at our life, that eats away at our soul. Do you realize you can have a disease, you can have, you can have some kind of condition on the inside that no one knows? And here's what's crazy, is that according to the rules, you shouldn't even come and approach someone like Jesus. You know what's funny is today, that people still feel like those rule ex rules exist. I don't know if you've ever invited somebody to church and then they gave you some excuse or reason why they couldn't go to church. I, I have these guys that I would see all the time at the gym and I would invite them to church every time we had some big event. Every time it was like Christmas, at the movies, Easter, I mean just any opportunity I have to invite them and, and, and I would just invite them. They didn't, they didn't come. 
one guy came once, I just kept him, I kept inviting him. There's this one guy, his name was Matt. And, and I, I remember the first time I invited Matt, I gave him an invitation. She's like, we've got invitations for you for Easter. I gave him an invitation. I said, hey, Matt, I would love if you'd be my guest at church. I said, come on, I'd love to have you at church. And Matt just looked at me. He said, oh, you don't want me going to your church. I said, no, I do. Matt, I want you coming to my church. He was like, you don't want me setting foot in your church. If I set foot in your church, that place is going to burn to the ground. You know what I said to him? I looked at him. I said, you know what? That good news is we got fire insurance. So come on. And then I looked at him and I said, but do you have fire insurance? Because it's really hot in hell. I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. You think I'm done? Like, don't ever say something like that. To... I did say we have fire insurance. Burn the building down. We need to build a new one anyways. Come on. We got you. But I think, I think there's what I, it's indicative of how people feel. That when you have something that you don't want anybody else to know about, when you have something that's kind of embarrassing, when you have something that you wish no one said, that, that, that there's these unwritten rules that says, I, I can't go there. I can't approach them. But, but you and I both know better if you know Jesus. That you can approach Jesus no matter what you have, no matter what you're carrying. Which is why, by the way, with those invites that we have for Easter, you need to give them out. That's why you need to keep inviting. You got family members and friends. You got some people at work. You got somebody in your neighborhood that you know that doesn't know Jesus. You should do whatever you can to get them to come and hear the good news of Jesus. Why? Because we can't see it on the outside, but on the inside, a lot of them have a disease called sin that is eating away at their soul, and they're not happy. They're miserable. They have no purpose, and they're just waiting for somebody to invite them to come to a Savior who can actually touch and heal their body. Heal their life, heal their emotions. And unfortunately, there's so many unwritten rules in our society and our culture that we're never to let people see what's really going on on, on the inside. We, we have those, you know, like you're not a real man. If you let other people know that you're struggling, don't ever let them see you sweat. You, you know, all these unwritten rules. That in order to look successful or be successful, you at least got to look successful. And so you got, you know what, we're all going through life. People that you see every day are going through life with a facade. They're wearing something on the outside says, look, I'm good. I'm happy. But you know what, on the inside, they're actually wasting away. And I'm here to tell you, maybe if that's you, you can keep your dignity, but you also keep your disease. You can keep your pride, but you're also going to keep your problems. And maybe for some of us, we need to recognize, you know what might be worse than having this condition like this guy has, this leprosy that's visible and everybody knows and it's humiliating? Do you know what might even be worse than that is having a condition that no one can see, that we just constantly hide and we never find healing because we're too embarrassed or ashamed? It might actually be worse. And that's why there are so many who come to church there are so many who are struggling with depression, but nobody knows, and you're too afraid to tell anyone. So some of you might be struggling with a porn addiction, but you're too embarrassed to tell a leader or tell somebody. So some of you are, are struggling with an alcohol addiction, but you want to kind of put on that everybody would think that you got it together. No, I can stop anytime I want, but yet you keep drinking it every single day just so you can get through because your life is so difficult. 
You see, a lot of times we're struggling with a condition on the inside, not one on the outside like this guy had that was so visible. And let me tell you something. You can hide it, but you'll never find healing for it. Please hear me today. You can hide it, but you're not going to get healed from it. You want help? What you need to do is you got to expose it. What you want help, what you need to do is you got to humble yourself and you got to come to Jesus. Not me. You got to come to Jesus. I, I noticed something in the story about this guy who has leprosy and it says that he comes to Jesus, breaks all the rules, and he falls on his knees begging, pleading for him just to heal. The way he approached Jesus caught my attention. I just want you to understand something. How you approach Jesus will determine what you receive from him. How you approach him will determine what you receive from him. How you approach God will determine what you receive from God. And you know, by the way, that's true in every part of life, not just with God. How you approach people will determine what you receive from them. You should learn this lesson if you're young. Okay? I know this, and if you're a parent, you've experienced this. You ever had your kids come at you, not come to you? You ever have to look at them and say, don't at me? Uh-uh. Don't you dare at me. Don't come at me. Like, you ever had your kids come at you with palms up? Come on, mom. Come on, dad. I need this. I want this. Everybody else has this. I, you better give me this. I'm going to get this. I'm going to get You know, if my daughters, they've done that from time to time. They're very good. They don't do that. But every once in a while in their adolescence, every once in a while in their youth and inexperience, they would approach me like that. And when you approach a father like that, the answer is always, heck no. See, I love my daughters. But if they come at me like that, the last thing I want to do is bless them. And sometimes we need to consider how we come at people. We need to consider how we come at God. We need to consider, listen, you, you want a raise? Let me tell you, the last thing you need to do is come at your boss. The last thing you should do, walk in there with your chest all sticking out. Come on, man, I am OG at this company. You need me. I deserve a raise. I want a raise. You be careful. You might get a box and a pink slip and be uh, ushered out the door. Come on, we need to learn this. Like how you approach people will determine how you receive from the husbands. This I got. This will help you husbands. How you treat your wife all week long will determine if she gives you a hug. <laughs> Did you think I was going to say? Y'all don't like it that real, do you? Get back to Jesus. All right, I, I feel you. I feel you. Sometimes I think, I think, and, and I, I was... I'm saying this to myself. I think sometimes I, I come at God more than coming to him like he owes me something. I think, I think sometimes when, when life feels unfair, and you know when it feels that way, a lot of good things keep happening to that person, but I, I feel like I keep getting knocked down another level or two. When, when life doesn't seem to be so good and we're singing songs like you're a good, good father, and what you're really wrestling on the inside is that, God, you're not fair. God, I want fair. You don't want fair, by the way. Don't ask God for fair. It won't go well. But we sometimes come at God. And we wonder why God doesn't sometimes answer our prayers. James, a half-brother of Jesus, said, sometimes you don't receive because you don't ask. Or when you ask, you ask with the wrong motives. Sometimes we come at God. And then, then there's other times, I'll be honest, in my life it's the other end of the spectrum where, where the way I approach God is kind of a last resort rather than a first option. Do you ever find that you, 
you approach God as a last resort. I've exhausted all means. I don't know what else to do. I'll just chuck a prayer up there. Like on a wing and a prayer. I just, I don't know if you're out there, God. I don't know if you, if you would maybe, maybe possibly, if you can, if you would do something to help me in my situation. Have you ever prayed a prayer like this? I know I have. If you can, will you help me out? God, if you, if you can, would you, would you step into my situation? God, if you can, would you bring provision? God, if you can, would you bring healing? God, if you can, would you rescue me? God, if you can, would you get me out of this situation? God, if you can, have you ever approached God like that? I think sometimes we approach God like that. I wonder if it offends him just a little bit. You know what I mean by that? I don't, I don't know if you do, but there's actually a story of a guy who approached God just like that. He approached Jesus that way. In Mark chapter 9, there's a story of a dad who's got a son who, who was inflicted by, who's afflicted by an evil spirit who kept throwing him on the ground and having convulsions. And so this dad approaches Jesus one time and, and he says, my son, my son is struggling. And when he looks at Jesus, he says these words. He says, if you can, will you help us out? You know what Jesus' response was? I think he was a little, I think he was a little put off. I think he was a little upset by it. Here, you can go look it up. Jesus' response was another question back that was absolutely rhetorical. He said, if you can? Did you just say, if you can? To me? Then he says this. Everything is possible for him who believes. I think sometimes maybe the reason why God doesn't answer some of the prayers that I've been asking him to do, and I felt really convicted by this recently, is because I'm coming to God, but I'm not coming from a place of faith where I'm already declaring, God, I know you can. I'm coming from a place, I don't know, God, if you can, I don't know, I haven't seen anything. If you can, would you help me out here? What we need to do is learn a lesson from the leper. Here's what the leper does in verse 40. Here's what he says to Jesus. He says this, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He says the same words, but he flips it around and it changes everything. He says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He knew in his heart of hearts, this is where faith comes from, by the way, inside of us. He knew, I know Jesus can. I know my God is able. I know God can come through. I know God will do this. Then here's this question, he says, but are you willing? It's different for us to approach God saying, God, I know you can. But he says, I'm not sure if he's willing. And I wonder if he feels that way because his entire battle of dealing with leprosy, probably all he's ever seen are people who weren't willing all he saw were religious people that would turn a blind eye every time they would see him. All he saw was a, a people or a city that would ostracize him and tell him to go away so that they don't infect him, or so they don't infect the rest of them. That's all he's ever experienced. No one's willing to help me. No one's willing to step into my world. No one's willing to deal with my condition. No one's willing to do this. And so I think he's in a place where he believes that Jesus can. He knows that this is Jesus. He just doesn't know if he's willing. Let me just say something to you today about Jesus. This poor guy hasn't had an opportunity to, to read through the stories like you and I have maybe. maybe. Maybe he doesn't have the macro view of Jesus that we have because we have the whole gospel account. We have all these accounts that are written down for us. And you know one thing that you discover when you read about Jesus? Some of you never read about him. 
You need to read about him. Jesus was always willing. He was always willing. Whenever Jesus would see people who are hurting and broken and he would be hungry and he'd be tired and he'd be exhausted because he, he was just ministering to people. But every time he would see him, it didn't matter. He couldn't help himself. He had to stop and he had to pray and he had to touch and he had to heal. And he had to feed. He, had, he couldn't help himself. He's so full of compassion. Every time, he's always willing. Some of you maybe wonder if God is willing to reach down into your place and your situation. I'm here to declare to you today, yes, he is. Yes, he is. In fact, verse 41, this is kind of fascinating to me. And, and if you don't actually know how to really dive into the text, I know that's what I do. Maybe some of you, you don't ever really do that. You, you could actually misunderstand what the translators were telling us. In verse 41, it says this, Jesus was indignant. Now, you could, you could read that. And if you take it out of context, it looks like Jesus was kind of put out by this guy that came and he's got a disease and like, hey, don't touch me, don't get, don't get in near me. Don't. That's not what it means. I'll give you a real life example. Uh, many of you probably have been affected by cancer. Maybe not you yourself, but I think almost every person I've ever met has been affected by cancer one way or another. You have a family member, a friend, someone you know that maybe has either lost a battle to cancer or they're fighting a battle of cancer. How does it make you feel? when you see someone you love fighting for their life? Does it make you angry? Does it make you mad? I think sometimes we don't know what to do with it, so we turn it at God. That's, that's why sometimes you'll, you'll see, um, I, I, there's a shirt, there's this logo, maybe you've ever seen this, and it's got this expletive, and then the word cancer. And it's not the word faith, but it starts with an F. I'm not gonna say it. But y'all know what I'm talking about? That's how Jesus felt about the leprosy that was causing this guy so much pain. Maybe he would have wore a shirt that said leprosy. I don't know. He probably wouldn't have. I know I probably offended you just then, but. He was indignant. Do you know a better definition for this maybe that we could look at was this? It means he was filled with compassion. It's this word that means moved to your bowels. Not like I was moved to my bowels, but I'm talking about moved. Like it's when, it's when something bothers you to your core. When you're moved to act. That's the way Jesus felt about this guy when he saw him hurting. And I just want to say to you, because some of you have wondered if God cares. Some of you maybe have gone through something and you've just thought to yourself, God, you seem so indifferent to my struggle. You seem like you don't care very much about the pain. You don't care very much about what I'm going through. And I want to say something to you today. God, listen, that cannot be further from the truth. God, his heart breaks when he sees us breaking. God, God is not indifferent. God is not cold. God knows when we go through pain. And listen, this world is not God's plan. The way it's going, this is not God's design for us. And I know some of you are thinking, because I thought this. Well, why is it that God sometimes heals and he answers and sometimes he doesn't? Why is it sometimes God rescues and sometimes he doesn't? That's a great question. I wish I had the full answer to it, but I, I do kind of start to wonder at times, and this is about me, if maybe it's because I'm not actually coming to God with the kind of faith that believes that he really can. I wonder, I hope. 
And then maybe the answer is that sometimes God doesn't heal or remove or fix the very situation that we're in because he actually wants to use it to develop something in us or do something for someone around you. And I know that's hard for us to embrace, but I want you to understand this. Every picture that we get of Jesus and every picture of God is that he loves and that he cares and that he hurts when we hurt, but it is part of this broken world that we're in. By the way, that's why he's created a better place for us for eternity. What's crazy in this moment, this guy is on his knees right in front of Jesus and he's begging him and he says, if you're willing, I know you can. And in that moment, Jesus said, I am willing. And he reached out his hand. This was crazy to me. And he touched him. And he said, be clean. He touched him. You don't touch somebody with a disease and open sores. He touched him. Now, Jesus is breaking the rules. Oh, by the way, not only if you were unclean, were you not supposed to touch things that were clean? Because if you did, you would contaminate those. And in those days, if you were somebody who was clean and healthy and you touched something that an unclean or a leprous person touched, it would make you unclean. You had to ceremonially go through all these things so you could get back to this place of being clean. You had to avoid certain things. I mean, it's a whole big deal. He reached out and he touched him. I think there's this basic universal principle, universal law, when it comes to sickness that all of us know. I'd say it's a law, universal law. You know this and I know this, right? That when a sick person touches someone that's healthy, most of the time, not all the time, right? But the sick person makes the healthy person what? Sick. That's like universal law. Here's why I say it's a universal law. Because it doesn't work the other way. Have you ever noticed it doesn't work the other way? Wouldn't it be great if it worked the other way? Wouldn't it be great if every time you were sick, all you had to do was go around and touch everybody that was healthy and that would rub off on you? Don't do that, by the way. Don't like, well, I'm going to try it. Maybe it'll work. Like, we, No. Because there's a universal law that we all know that when something is sick and it touches what is healthy, the healthy thing becomes sick. But it's not the other way around. When something healthy touches something that's sick, then that which is healthy becomes sick unless you touch the OG. There's only one difference. See, he can break the rules because he made the rules. He can break laws because he made laws. He can break laws of buoyancy and walk on water because he made them. You see, there's a difference when you touch Jesus. Because when you touch Jesus, he heals what you've got. You, he doesn't get what you've got. Which, oh, by the way, is some really good news for us today. Because some of you came to church today, and you got a situation, you got a condition, and you almost feel like God would not want me for this, but you need to understand the heart of God. God says, come to me, no matter what you're wrestling with, because all it takes is one touch, and what I've got is going to be transferred to you, not what you've got is getting transferred to me. Which is also why our sin is transferred to him on the cross. And then listen, his righteousness is transferred to us. All it takes is one touch. One touch. But then I thought, did he really have to touch him? I don't know if you've ever considered this. Jesus didn't even have to touch this guy. You realize that? 
Like, like there's story after story after story where Jesus healed people without even touching them. The son of a centurion, he never even saw him. He just said, go, your faith has healed him. In fact, there's a story, I think it's in, I think it's Luke 17, where Jesus actually encounters 10 men who have leprosy. And in that story, it says these 10 men all approached Jesus, but then they stood at a distance. Why? Because that's what you're supposed to do. They stood at a distance. Jesus, would you heal us? And you know what Jesus told them? He said, go and show yourself to the priest. But we're not healed. Just do it. Go show yourself to the priest. And it says, as they went, they were cleansed. Jesus didn't even need to get close to them. All he had to do was say, go. Or your faith has healed you. He said that over and over. And yet for some reason, I look at this story and go, why does Jesus reach down and he touches this guy? You don't do that. You just, you are breaking the rules. Jesus didn't have to do this to heal him. Listen to me. He wanted to. Because this, this man wasn't just about the physical healing. It was about the emotional pain and hurt of not being touched and not being loved and not being wanted. When Jesus sees his kids hurting, he reaches down and he touches. That's who Jesus is. Some of you have only had a picture of religion. You've only been exposed to Christianity through somebody else or through something a church did or said or you thought it was rules and religion not meant to be broken. Listen, if you could just know who Jesus is, it would change everything for you. Jesus reached out and touched him because he loved him wanted him to know the love of God and I want to say to you all it takes for some of you are in a place right now you feel like you don't know if God loves you all you have to do is come to him like this man with humility and faith and all it takes is a single touch from Jesus will change your life there are a lot of you this church that have experienced that kind of touch from him and it changes your life it's changed my life and if you have never experienced that I'm, I believe that the Spirit of God is here today so that you can encounter him and feel and sense the touch of Jesus today in this place he wants to heal you and a lot of times we're holding on to the condition of our heart we're holding on to the place with our, our life the decisions that we've made that have taken us on the wrong path. A lot of times we, we've fallen for things that filled a void in our life that was meant for God but has turned into an addiction in our life. Maybe some of you have wrestled with depression. You've thoughts of suicide. You're battling these things. I'm here to tell you that one touch from Jesus can set you free. One touch from Jesus and you'll know how much He loves you. One touch from Him today. And he can change your life. He can set you free, put you on a new course in your life. That's the power of Jesus. He's the OG. He's the OG. I just believe today that maybe some of you are here for that reason. To encounter him in this way. In both our locations, would you do me a favor in this moment? Would you bow your heads and just close your eyes? And I just want everybody to respect this moment because I really believe that the Spirit of God is speaking. 
The Spirit of God is enabling some of you to feel His presence, maybe for the first time in a long time. One of the things that the Spirit of God does is He reveals to us who Jesus really is. God, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice that maybe has never really known who you are. I pray, God, that they get a revelation today. That, God, by faith, Lord, they come to you. I pray right now for every broken situation represented in our church, every battle with a disease, every heartbreak, every condition of sin, every decision, God, that we've made that has pulled us away from you. God, I pray in that moment we would humble, this moment, God, we would humble ourselves before you. God, knowing that you can heal and you can save and you can forgive, but maybe we've come with the question, are you willing? I pray, God, right now that everyone knows you are willing, that you love us so much, God, that you're willing. Listen, as we're praying, I just want to say here in Lancaster, watching this online, that maybe someone here today, that you be honest with yourself today and that you are not walking with him. That Jesus is a, he's a reference to a religious leader. He's someone you might say is God. You might believe that he's the son of God, but he is not affecting your life. He's not the one that you give your life to. He's not the one who leads you. I just want to say today, I believe that, that he wants to touch your life in a real and powerful way. Some of you that are here, maybe at one point you were walking with him, but be honest, maybe you've drifted away from God. Maybe over time and space, you kind of feel like God has maybe turned his back on you. Let me say something. He has never turned his back on you. It doesn't matter what we have going on on the inside or outside. Just like that leper, he would have never turned his back on him. In fact, he wants to reach and he wants to touch. But you got to come to him with a humble heart today. you got to say, God, I need you. Forgive me. Would you change me? Would you save me? I need you today. I believe maybe some of you, it's time that you need to declare that. Maybe you need to recommit your life to Jesus at both our locations. I want to ask you to do something boldly. If that's you today, and you know if the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now, if that's you today, I'm going to ask you, would you just do me a favor real quick? Would you just shoot your hand up in the air? Just hold it up for just a second if that's you today. Praise God. Any others? Any others? I see you back there. I see you over here. Anybody else? Praise God. You two up front here. Anybody else? I see you over here, dear, on the side. Anybody in Lancaster? Just stick your hand up. Just say it's me today. I believe there's something about reaching your hand up. Praise God. I see you over here. Reaching your hand up to God. I want you to know something. He's reaching his hand down to touch you today. Guess what? There's a transfer that's about to happen. This is the good news. There's a transfer that's about to happen. He's taken your sin. He's going to give you a new life. New life today. If that's you, if you raise your hand with me today, would you pray this prayer with me? Right where you are in your heart, would you just say, Jesus, today I give you my life. I'm lost without you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. I thank you for forgiving me. I believe in you. I believe you died. You rose again today. Right now, I surrender my life to you. I ask for you to be my leader, my Lord. I'm going to walk with you. God, would you change my life? I'm asking you, touch me today. And I'm yours from this moment forward. We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. And everyone declared... Amen. Come on, do me a favor. Let's just welcome every single one of those people into the family of God.